um, welcome, welcome. This is our first official class for the fall of 2023. This is our 16th year for getting to do the school of ministry starting with K-1. So we are so grateful to God and he has multiplied us and he has taken his word and done miracles with it that he does. And the whole goal and heart of the Apostolic Training Center is to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost and the Father of love and to encounter his presence, know him, love him and be totally transformed and changed. And we are called to equip the saints to do the works of the ministry, according to Ephesians 4. So this is what this is all about. This was his doing. And in the body of Christ, you and myself and others probably throughout our whole journey have had part in receiving from the body of Christ in the church, outside conferences, teaching special times with you and Jesus. And there's times when you have gone to study. There's times when you've been in colleges. There's times when you just really have to set your part, yourself apart to really seek his face. And through Ephesians 4, he gave us a mandate for the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints to do the works of the ministry. And so that's it. Every saint's a minister. So say, that's me. All right, not everybody may be called to those five-fold offices. We'll talk about that this year. But yet every saint is called to do all the works of Jesus and even greater works than he did. So that's what we're being empowered for. And every year is a new year. I've been teaching this for years and years since I first found out about it. And it's just fresh and hot off the press to me. And every year it's alive and well. All of your teachers this year will teach you and give you all that they've got. It's not dull to us. It's not another thing we have to do. We, we have volunteered freely in the day of power. We love you. We want to help you. We want to help you grow. We'll answer questions. These classes are set up where we just give, give, give. And, but they're not a Q&A answer time during the class. But afterwards, you're welcome to ask questions after the class. Contact us by email, phone call, however you do to get a hold of us. We'll do our best to help you grow and uh, because it is just part of it and we love it. And we're just so excited about it. Amen. And so tonight, uh, if you're in K-1, you should have gotten a Gospel of the Kingdom book. Everybody in K-1, did you get one of these? Yes? Okay, good. So... Um, I'm going to talk about this briefly and through every class, everybody has to remind me because we actually have, I think, just about every one of these printed now, but these are what we call little mini books and um, God gave me a word to do this several years ago to take uh, the school of ministry, to take the teachings that we're doing and compile them in a mini book form with the scriptures written out for you. When you look at these manuals, it's basically just an outline form with a bunch of scripture. We just fill in the spots. Uh, but these little mini books, they are geared towards, you can give this to anyone, you can get this yourself, you can read it. And it gives you the summary, the whole purpose of these lessons with all the scriptures written out for you. I wanted to make sure that all the scriptures were written out so that if somebody got a hold of this and they are not saved, they don't have a Bible to go look up John 3, 16, they can read that scripture in the book itself. So we're sewing this into you tonight. And K2, if you don't have any of these and you want one, tell Karen, she'll get you one. And I also want you to understand that every class will show you the one that we have for those classes. Some of them are combined, both in K1 and K2. And it's just really, really amazing. And I'm just really, really thankful and honor the team that worked with me to get these compiled and completed. And Garden Publishing Company, thank you, thank you. 
for getting these published and it's on our website. We should have the PDF files on there as well. For those who are overseas and such, if you can't get a hold of a book, you can go to our website. And again, Karen can direct you to these things where you can go and find the lesson up there for you as well. And you can pass those around however you need to. Free of charge there. And we're just getting the word out. And I'm telling you what, it's not just about a book. It's called the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And he rests on the words of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will take these words and he will breathe on them. He will empower you. He can deliver you. He can teach you. He can cast demons out of you. He can raise you up. He can encourage you. He can heal your body. He can renew your mind and just heal your heart just through the word of God alone. So we take this very seriously. And throughout the year, we will be encouraging you to really dive into these lessons, um, read them. You've got all week every year. I tell everybody, don't worry. You've got a week to get her done as we say in Texas. And so you don't have to get it all done overnight, although some have. And if you're hungry, eat. And I just lose hunger in Jesus name that everybody that hears these classes, that it's just not boring and snoozer time. It's, it's eat time. If you're hungry, eat. And if you need hunger, if you want spiritual hunger, just ask God, I need to be hungry. Make me hungry. I'm hungry. I want more, Lord. I've been praying that for years and he just keeps giving me more. So just tell him you're hungry and you ask for spiritual hunger, he'll give that to you. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Yes. So may you just be blessed Sit back and receive the word of the Lord. Be encouraged and know that whatever you're receiving, you're going to be freely giving. Hallelujah. Family members, enemies, co-workers, wherever your sphere of life is, we have all been given a mandate from Jesus to bring the gospel of the kingdom. And so I have the honor to bring the gospel of the kingdom tonight. Every year I combine K1 and 2 on certain classes and there are certain ones that we do twice and this is one of them. So I figure we can't get enough of this, right? Okay, so on page 7 in your K1 manual, I don't know where we are in K2. K2, do y'all have your manuals? Some, can somebody tell me what page number that is? K2. Page 7 as well. Okay, so what a good start. So tonight we're talking about the gospel of the kingdom. So if we don't mind going to Matthew 6, everyone is usually pretty familiar with the Lord's Prayer. I think that most of us, if you went to church at all, you had heard it at least once from the pulpit. And uh, praise God for that. Um, and it is a wonderful model for helping us to learn how to pray effectively. There's so much teaching in that. But in it, God has set a... Uh, just uh, understanding on this prayer. He gets the focus right, right off the start. So we're going to look at Matthew 6. Babies don't bother us, by the way, back there. Matthew 6, verse 9. Okay, y'all there? And please bring your Bibles to these classes, okay? Because we're going to be reading them lots, lots of Bible. Matthew 6, verse 9. Jesus said this, In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, 
but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So Jesus taught us how to pray. And the number one thing we want you to hear is that Jesus said to say this, our Father. So our Father. And many, all of us have come into a revelation knowledge of God as Father at some point in our journey. If you've just been born again, the term and the name Father may be very new to you. But that's glorious because the Father is eager to reveal himself to you. And the scripture tells us that Jesus is the perfect manifestation and likeness of the Father. So Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yes? And so we have to understand that the gospel originated in the heart of the Godhead, which is Father God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and Holy Spirit. All are God, yes? And Father God has the highest authority of whom Jesus said, I only do the things I see my Father do, and I only say the things I hear my Father say. He didn't come to do his own will, but he came to do the will of the Father. You see a submission in the Godhead. And Jesus spoke of the Holy Ghost. And he says, he will take what I give him and reveal it to you. So you see all three in tandem and that will unfold throughout the year of a deep, intimate knowing of your God. Not just God in heaven up there one day that you're going to meet, hopefully. <laughs> right? But intimately today that we can have fellowship with God today. And that's the whole goal. That's why Jesus came. So that we could be born again from above. To know God. To be restored to God. To be healed and delivered from sin. And to come into fellowship. Into the family of God. Isn't that amazing? The family of God. Right? And so that's what it looks like. So when he says our father in heaven, don't just take that as some spiritual heading. He intended to say that saying, children, pray this way. Father. Okay. So his father is our father and we have access to the Lord God almighty. And we're going to talk just a little bit covering a very small dimension of who father God really is. But it is a place to launch you so that you can grow and learn and study and study and study. The scripture says study and show yourself approved, right? We are children of God, disciples of Christ. And so we're going to always be learning. And, and you know what? Until we cross over, I'm pretty sure the great Holy Ghost is going to be revealing him to our hearts from glory to glory. We go from faith to faith and glory to glory. So our Father who's in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come. So this, he introduces his kingdom. He introduces a kingdom. And God Almighty is Lord God of the kingdom. And he made his son, Jesus Christ, king of that kingdom. And so the Holy Ghost is Lord of that kingdom. And so we don't just go to church. We're a part of a kingdom. 
and thy kingdom come was how Jesus taught us to pray. Not when we just get to heaven, but he told us to pray, Father, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How glorious is that? For years and years and years, I've heard that, didn't get it. All I could think of was an eternal dwelling place of when I died, I would go to heaven to be with God forever. I had no understanding or teachings other than that. But once you step into kingdom revelation, the Holy Ghost is gonna teach you and then you're gonna step right into the Father's heart. No, 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 he sent Jesus from heaven to earth and in that kingdom of heaven came. And we'll see that when he has one message, repent, the kingdom of heaven's at hand. Believe, right? Repent and believe. So it is our heart's desire as Christians to ask God for his kingdom to come on earth, in me, in my sphere, in my family, in the domain that God has given us. In the nations, we've all been planted where we are by God Almighty, truth. You can move around, you can do all kinds of things, but God knows where you were born. He knows the moment you were born and whom you were born by. He has intimately made us and conceived us in our mother's womb. Yes, he knows all the plans he has for us. He knows we're gonna cross over into glory to meet him. He knows what our millennial rule and reign with him already looks like. He knows our today, he knows our future. And how comforting to know that we are in the Father's hand and that he has given to us a commission from heaven to ask for heaven to invade earth. Like, well, how can that be? Well, thus, the gospel of the kingdom, okay? So let's go to Romans chapter one. You can write that down. And as I go, I'll tell you to write down a few scriptures that maybe not be on your notes right now. Romans chapter one is a really incredible chapter. If you've not read it, I encourage you to read it in its entirety. In its entirety. But we're gonna look at verse 16. Romans chapter one, verse 16. This is the apostle Paul speaking. He says, for I am not ashamed, whoa, of the gospel of Christ. This is a minister of the gospel, an apostle of faith. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For it in, the, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So in these two little verses, he has just put so much power and emphasis on the glorious gospel. And he said, this gospel is the power of God revealed. This gospel is the power of heaven. This gospel, which means good news, this report of the Lord, this is heaven manifested. It is glorious, it is powerful to all who believe. And we're all growing from faith to faith. And it started first with the Jew, because Jesus Christ was sent to his own first, to Israel, he went to his own, to the Jew. And out of that, later, explosion, and he went from the Jews into the Gentiles. And here we are so that God could give nations to his son. 
so he could be king of nations from the beginning to the end. Lord of all. So you talk about a kingdom. We haven't really seen anything yet. <laughs> but we have to always keep our minds in tune that this gospel is just not wah, 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 wah. You know, that's Snoopy 101. If you've never watched Peanuts, but that's the teacher that teaches. And it's just like, I've heard this so many times. I know this. And that's where we become dull and lukewarm. But I need this to be hot. I need this to be power. I need this to be fire in me. Because every time I acknowledge the kingdom of heaven in prayer, and I pray for his kingdom to come in my family, in my community, in my sphere of influence, when I pray, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done in my office, in my home, in my bloodline, in my family, wherever I go. It's not just the mission field. It's daily life that every saint is a witness it wasn't supposed to be for just the preachers behind the pulpit to lead everybody to Jesus. Hallelujah. It's about every saint telling others about Jesus Christ. And for so many years, it got twisted around where it was just um, the apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists doing that work. And saints haven't known how to even present the gospel but one thing saints can do is they can freely tell somebody else how they got saved and what God did for them. And once I was blind, but now I see. And I usually had this limp, but now I'm healed. I used to be a slave to sin, but I am forgiven. That witness is the great Holy Ghost in you. And he'll come flowing out of you like a river to everyone God brings you. Don't be ashamed. That's why he said, I'm not ashamed. And how many are cowardly and unbelieving? I was the most and the highest of that because I was so consumed in fear, shy, timid. It wasn't that I was ashamed of the gospel. I just didn't want to talk to anybody. Unless I knew you and you're on my tennis team, they were good. But I wasn't really good at talking to other people. Look what miracles he can do. Right? Ask my husband if you don't believe me. He dragged me into church. I'd want to sit on the back row. Truth, he'd want to go visit with everybody because that's what he does. He knows everybody. He talks to everybody. There is no stranger for him. And he's trying to drag me along, and I'm not doing that. But when you get the Holy Ghost, you get baptized in his fire, and you get transformed by the gospel of the kingdom, you do crazy things. Right? So don't you tell me you can't do this because he did it for me so he can do it for you. And it's simply, if you're a mama, I have six kiddos. Four of those families are married now. I got 10 grandkids. And I'm just saying, I have given the gospel first and foremost to my children. That's where it starts. And then when you become a grandparent, you can multiply that. And hopefully you've raised up your children so they're giving them the gospel. But if not, guess who gets to give the gospel to your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren? Amen. Yes? But what witness that in your bloodline that the gospel is made manifest, that you have such a gift to give your family. And that's the first place where most people, most, okay, most people have encountered God. And if that family was such that you never heard this gospel, that's the Father of glory lining you up 
to get you to those that have it. Yes? You may not fully have heard, like me, most of these truths as we study throughout this year, but it's the Holy Ghost that will teach you and bring you into the fullness. All of us can read the Bible, and we're all growing in this. There's such revelation. And don't you just love it when you can be reading a chapter and all of a sudden it's like you've never read it before? You're like, how long has that been in here? Because I'm pretty sure I didn't see that. Because that's the Holy Ghost. And he, removed, he removes all those veils and deceptions and he opens our understanding. Yes, he speaks to us because he's living and he lives inside of us. You hear it? So this is your introduction. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. And ask God, who can I share this gospel with? Ask him to give you courage and boldness and may baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not just for the missionaries. You are a missionary. (laughs) Yes? And when you get those old church calls, you know, you go out into the streets to preach. Okay, go. I exhort missionaries constantly. They can tell, yep, she says it all the time. The gospel is not just when you're on a mission. I said, there's lost people down my street. Get on fire and go down there, right? You can't, you can't separate it to just missionary work. Missionary work is a 24-7 thing, right? And how much more when you're loaded to bear as an anointed missionary to go, you're so dadgum anointed, wherever you go, you're gonna bring people to Christ. And we need you in the body, yes? We need you in the body. From eldest to the youngest, we need each other. So on your paper now, <laughs> you're just like, wow, The love of God. The love of God. I want to read the scripture. It's from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 19. It's on your paper. Wow, Jesus is good. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family, what did he say? Family. In heaven and on earth derives its name that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. This passage is so full of life, and the Apostle Paul is praying for the flock, praying for the church, praying for the saints. And that's why you can see him position himself to bow his knees in prayer before the Father. And he could only bow his knees before the Father because Jesus gave him access to the Father. And then once you've been born from above, you want to commune with the Father of glory and ask and pray on behalf of those that you are leading, teaching, equipping, fathering, mothering, your brothers and sisters in Christ, young and old alike, from the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I only explained that to you very well already. That he would grant you according to his riches of his glory that we be strengthened with power. Say power. 
we'd be strengthened with power through His Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will bring empowerment to the gospel and to us individually in our inner man. We're going to talk about that tonight so that Christ, Christ Jesus, the anointed one is anointed, would dwell in my heart. It's one thing to know that you go to church. It's another thing to know that the Godhead lives in you, that the Holy Ghost lives inside of every born again believer. That is the mystery. That's the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Holy Ghost in you, in me, for all eternity. He wants us to be rooted and grounded deeply in the faith. Rooted and grounded. And that's what the school of ministry does. That's what we're doing when we do sermons and conferences and teachings and special times and one-on-one discipleships on your couch. It's rooting and grounding ourselves, anchoring ourselves in a strong foundation of Christ and His Word. And I always tell people, read your Bible. (laughs) Read your Bible, especially in today's age. Mm -hmm. Read your Bible. Get it out. I color in mine. I got all kinds of marks in it. Some don't like to do that. That's cool. But read your Bible. Yes? Say amen. Bring your Bible. Read your Bible. How blessed we are to have how many we have. But we want to be rooted and grounded in love so that we can comprehend, comprehend, have an understanding with all of the saints. Here's that immeasurable wonder of what the breadth, length, height, depth, depth of God, of His love. To know the length, width, breadth, breadth, height of God. To know Him and to be known by Him. And when you pray these kinds of prayers, the Holy Spirit's going to answer you. Yes, He has me and He will never stop. He wants us to know the love of Christ that goes beyond our human understanding. Most people say, do you know that Jesus loves you? A stranger on the street, oh yes, I know that he loves me. They've been taught that. But it may only be be a head knowledge. Yes, piquito, very small. (laughs) But we grow into such a loving, close, intimate relationship with the Lord. And it's like every year, it's like another layer comes off our soul and our mind and will and emotions for us to really know and have encounter with God as our Father, Jesus as our bridegroom and our Lord and Holy Ghost. So there is no end to this. So be encouraged with this, beloved, that we have permission from heaven to seek Him so we can all come into the fullness. Say fullness. And each generation, one generation to the next, is literally passing that baton, growing, learning, coming into the fullness of the full stature of maturity into Jesus Christ himself. That is the goal. Everybody say maturity. The goal is to be mature as Christ. And John, we'll get to this later, but in John, Jesus said that you're going to do the works that I do and greater works you will do. And whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will do for you. He said, again, I say to you, whatever you ask, it will be done for you. We have been commissioned as the body of Christ to do the same works of Jesus. And the number one job of Jesus is to reveal the Father to us and that he is love and he is good and he is merciful. And out of that goodness comes the good news of the kingdom. Amen. On your paper says 1 John 4, 19. 
It says, we love him because he first loved us. I use this every week. I minister these passages literally every week to somebody because we have to know the love of God. And as I receive, then I can freely give that. And as others are overflowing in the love, I receive that. We strengthen each other in love. We're encouraged. We're not jealous and envious of each other. We strengthen each other in the bond of the Spirit because we are one in God, in Christ. And we are all on a mission to know God. And so we have to know that we only love Him because He loved me first. I only can know Him because He knew me first. What I have, I have been given as a gift the grace of Jesus so that we can know, come to know and believe the love that he has for us. So it's always going to be about love. Say it's all about love. Because if we skip that, we just have religion and dead works. That's gotten us in trouble. But where there's love, the kingdom is gonna manifest. Where there is love, healing is going to happen. Where there is love, demons are gonna flee in terror. Where there is love, there will come unity. Where there is love, miracles will happen. Where there is love, the kingdom will increase. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. We love him because he first loved us. And you need to receive that every day. And you need to tell the Father every day, God, I receive the love that you have for me. I believe the love that you have for me. And I love you with all my heart, with all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. You're like, dude, you are crazy. Who does that? A laid down lover of God does that, who's encountered God. Yes, because I didn't start out this way. All I knew because they taught it to me was John 3, 16, which we'll read again, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son into it to save. That's all I knew about it. There was no personal relationship with the Lord, right? We all came out of hell, dude. We just came out of the kingdom of darkness and all the fruit therein. And we just stepped into the kingdom of heaven to encounter the perfect love of God. And he's so perfect that he knows where we came from in sin. And he says, I forgive you. And he says, you're my son and daughter. And then he pours oil on your head, anoints you and calls you to go do the same thing. Absolutely amazing. He chooses to put his Holy Ghost inside of you. He redeems us. This is the love of God. 1 John 4, 16 on your paper. He says, so we have come to know and we have believed the love which God has for us. That's what I just told you. And that's what it looks like every day. Don't let a day go by that you haven't told the Lord how much you love him. And don't let a day go by that you haven't said, oh, I believe it and I receive it and I know it. Teach your children these things. They'll be raised up in that life. Yes, they'll be raised up in it. We have come to know and believe the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. That's a whole bunch of abiding. I'm in you and you're in me. Right? Perfect love lives in the believers. And perfect love is going to flow through us. That flow right through us to love others. Yes? <laughs> Don't you love it? Now, this is not on your paper, but Exodus chapter 34. You can write that down. Exodus 34, 20. Yep, Exodus 34, verse 6 and 7. Exodus 34, 
This is Moses in the Ten Commandments time period, okay? <laughs> you can read it all in context, but we're going to start in verse 5. Exodus 34, verse 5. He says, Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him, and he proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generations. So in this, you see the reality of fallen man where when sin entered, it's just going to be keep being passed down your bloodline from one generation to the next until God steps into that bloodline and he says, this is it. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, merciful, gracious, long-suffering. That is an understatement. Abounding in goodness and truth keeping mercy for thousands of generations. So when you're born again, you've got a covenant inheritance of blessing for a thousand generations to know God. You're like, oh, I hope my children come to know Jesus. Well, you need to get this verse and decree it over them because once you're in, baby, you've got a covenant promise for you and your bloodline to know the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, compassionate. Everyone's got to make a choice. But yet you've got that blessing following you because you have been captured by love and brought into the kingdom. Changing the way we're thinking. God is love. God is good and merciful. Say, God is good. Now let's go to the back. Um, it says, who is God? Go to Revelation chapter 4. I'm still on the front page. It says, who is God? Remember, I'm only giving you bullets. For further revelation, you can read Genesis through Revelation. Revelation chapter 4. We're going to see a scene in heaven. So start on verse 8. Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. It says, The four living creatures, each having six wings, we're full of eyes around and within, and they don't rest day or night, and this is what they do. They say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, and the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and they were created. Now I want you to flash back to what Jesus told us. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So now I've been commissioned to go before the throne of God in my daily walk and stand before him and give him the same glory, honor, blessing, praise, and encounter the living God from the throne room. 
The scripture says through the blood of Jesus, I've been given access to the throne of grace. Come boldly before the throne of grace, he says. And what happens at the throne? You got all this magnificent glory going on and they are celebrating the Lord, the Lord God Almighty, who is God. So when you just read one of these statements, you're like, who is God? He is God, isn't he? Wow, it continues on. Go over to verse uh, uh, nine out of chapter five, Revelation five, verse nine. Revelation 5, verse 9. They continue to these, sing these songs to the Lord. Oh, my goodness. And the saints are worshiping. And he says, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, speaking of Jesus, for you are slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, people and nation, and you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign, where does it say? On the earth. <laughs> Somewhere in here, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Somehow the fullness is going to come. Yes? Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Verse 12, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and as such are in the sea and all that is in them, I heard saying, he is covering all of creation from the beginning of time to the end and in the future, everyone is going to say of the Lord God Almighty, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, which is Jesus Christ forever and ever. And all of heaven said, amen. <laughs> and that's what it sounds like. Heaven is not quiet. Shh. Heaven is not quiet. Heaven is full of life and the manifestation of God. Yes. You hear this shifting the way we're thinking to that God is our Father, but He is the Lord God Almighty. He is holy, He is perfect, He is to be feared, to be reverenced, to be worshiped by all. And He is King of all, yes. He has given all authority to His Son. God is love, we've covered that pretty good, but I wanna to go to 1 Corinthians 13. This is the chapter that most people have with weddings or little plaques on your walls, but I'm not too sure how we measure it by living by it. <laughs> it looks really good on the wall. Until you read, love is patient. And you're like, oh man. You know, be real. Be real. You know, <laughs> whenever things going good, patience is there. When things are not going good, flesh is arising. We all know because we're human, right? <laughs> so here's your awesome love chapter, which reflects our God. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we'll look at verse 4. God is love. Love suffers long. That's it's patient, right? Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity or wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. 
And love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. So this passage is talking about who our Lord really is. And through Holy Spirit, he's changing us into this image. He's empowering us every day to love like he does. We've all grown in this. We're all being perfected in it. Some areas may be a little more weak than others. But yet that is the work of the Spirit of God. Because in reality, if you think about it for a minute, you're like, oh, I just cannot. I cannot love like that. Don't worry. Jesus can. And he's in you. No worry. The Holy Ghost can. And he's in you. I don't know that I can love those who are persecuting me. Don't worry. Jesus did. And he will empower you to do the same. So meditate on these things and don't let it just be the plaque on the wall. Let it be a living reality of what God's really doing in me. Because if this is who he is, this is what has the greatest priority on his list in our soul. Is that he is perfecting us in this love and we're letting love have his work. You know what the flesh looks like. And in reality, everybody wants to be loved. It doesn't matter if they're hard-hearted. Everybody was born to be loved. Yes, everybody, everybody, even the, the most ranked sinner. Everyone was born to be loved, right? And all we've ever wanted was that perfect love. And perfect love casts out fear. And perfect love is being revealed to us moment by moment, changing the way we think. Turn the page. God is good. I think I've told you that pretty good so far, but let's go to Psalms 145. God is good. Now, you think, well, we all know that. No, not everybody knows that. And religion has worked a number on the body of Christ since the fall to tell you that God is not good. If you don't believe me, go read Job. Okay? There's this battle. Is God good? And once you settle it in your soul, no matter what happens in this life, you are convinced, no, fully persuaded that God is good. That's where the kingdom comes and manifests. Say, God is good. Okay, let me get to Psalms 145. Now, there are so many scriptures on the goodness of God. Have fun. I gave you two. <laughs> Psalm 145. Verse 8 and 9. He says, The Lord is gracious and he's full of compassion. Slow to anger, oh, and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all of his works. Over all of his works. The Lord is good to all. Say all. So the first lesson you're going to learn is that we're studying and reading the Bible. When they say all, it means all. So you can study the Greek and the Hebrew, do whatever you've got to do. All means all. And Jesus Christ was anointed in the Holy Ghost and power. And he went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Acts 10, 38. That. And religious says, well, pfft. Oh, pfft. No. That's not true because my so-and-so died of cancer. That's not good. 
Yeah. And you have to understand the point of the gospel of the kingdom is to get things straight in your soul and heart to understand the word of God and who is good and who is evil and why and why this came into mankind and why God in his goodness chose in his mercy to have a family because he's a good, good father and he wants a family. Yes. And we're changing the way we're thinking and Jesus nailed it. So now go to John 10. John 10, if you ever get into this debate, you just kind of end it and land it with this. John 10, 10, these are the words in red from Jesus Christ. He helped you understand the spiritual realm and the dimensions of what it looks like. John 10, 10. The basic understanding of the thief, the one which represents Satan and his kingdom and his workers. You understand? He says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. But he says, but I have come that they may have life and they may have life more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. It may be one thing to say that you're good, and it may be another thing to say, I will go and be slaughtered on a cross for you, a sinner. The good, good God raised up a good, good shepherd, the son of God, and he lays it out, the enemy of your soul and all of his kingdom, here's what they do. They steal, kill, and destroy. And the devil has multitudes of schemes and plans and tactics to do that to humanity. He does not care how he does it. He doesn't care. He is relentless to kill you, destroy you, sickness, disease, infirmity, calamity, misfortune, injury, accident, harm, curses. He does not care. He does not want your soul to be redeemed. That's the enemy of the faith. That's the enemy of your soul who has one intention. And once you settle this in your soul, you can say, God is good. And the shepherd of my soul, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And at the end of that psalm in Psalm 23, he says, surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. You have been transformed through as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. By encountering the good shepherd, that's what this looks like. And he says it repeatedly throughout his gospels. It's like God is good. That settles it. Settles it. I know where that came from. And the Lord God Almighty is faithful and true. He is not a man that he would lie. God is just and righteous. Go back to Psalm 89. The scriptures are full of his justice and his righteousness. Psalms 89. Verse 14. Psalm 89, verse 14. He says, righteousness and justice, they're the very foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. God's very throne, his kingdom dominion is rooted and grounded and lays on a foundation of righteousness 
and justice, which is perfect, by the way. It's hard for our human minds to wrap around perfect righteousness and justice and so you see Jesus. But you know this by faith. And once you settle this in your heart, that God, his throne is sealed and planted and rooted in his righteousness and perfect justice. So when I plead my case before the Lord God Almighty, the judge of all the earth, and I cry out for righteousness and justice to prevail, heaven is going to come. Yes, because that's who he is. It's who he is. He cannot deny himself, right? And we have to know these things. When you're contending for righteousness, when you're contending for justice to come forth, God's not the problem. It's humans, right? Thus, the church of the living God should be the foremost and at the forefront of bringing forth righteousness and true justice. Amen? God is jealous. Go to Deuteronomy 5. I remember the first time I heard that, I thought, well, now I thought jealous was something we're not supposed to be. I just read that, that love's not jealous. <laughs> oh, but God, he is jealous. Now, there's a whole bunch of scriptures on your page. If I don't read it tonight, that's for you to do at home for homework, right? Have fun. But Deuteronomy, Old Testament, Deuteronomy, chapter 5. Let's start on verse 7. Deuteronomy 5, verse 7. He says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, which is an idol, any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath and that is in the water or under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. There's that curse to those who hate God, right? That bloodline curse just keeps coming down, that sin, until righteousness and justice hit it, yes? But he shows mercy to thousands to those who love me. Two things, you either love him or you hate him. There's no in-between. From the beginning, your eyes are opened all of a sudden. How many times he says, oh, but they went away from me. They forsook the love I had for them. They made for themselves false gods of stone and stick and clay. And they worshiped and they offered their children in the fire. They did these evil, horrible things. And they forsook me. And this is what it looks like because I, the reason why I told you don't make, have any gods before me and don't make any idols and don't worship them is because I'm a jealous God. I'm a jealous God. I'm a jealous God. And all, there's more scriptures is I am jealous. We talk about this. We teach on this. We know he is Lord. He is jealous. We talk about him as jealous all the time here. He is jealous for you. The spirit is jealous for you. He wants us to know him. He doesn't want us to have any other lovers. He wants to be first in our heart, above your mama, above your daddy, above your hubby, above your kids, above everything else. It should be God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. It doesn't matter. Jesus goes on to say, if you're not willing to love me more than your mother, your father, your brothers, your sisters, your sons, and your daughters, you're not worthy of me. 
He only reflects the Father. And it's not cruel. It says, He wants your heart. He wants our heart. He is jealous for us. He is a Father of glory. And we must let Him have the preeminence above everything. Amen. So we, we recognize this, and all of a sudden, whew, the scriptures are open to us. And now when we see that, we're like, whoa, he's jealous for me, right? So on your paper, I talk about the original blessing that started in the Garden of Eden. And don't assume that everybody knows these stories. Don't assume that the people that you're talking to have ever read the Bible. Don't assume that they may have heard something, but the enemy has come and misconstrued it and put something else in there, and they may not have gotten the pure word of God. That's why we need to read our Bibles, know what it says, because the devil comes in with error to just leave out a few things, twist it. Still happens today. We need to know what this says and believe it. So in Genesis, it's on your paper. I want you to understand the original blessing. Say blessing that was given to the children he chose to put on the planet called Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were the first man and woman and he gave them a charge. He gave them a commission because he was bringing heaven to earth and it was actually heaven on earth. And in that we read here on your paper, Genesis 1, 26, he says, and then God said, let us, meaning the Godhead, Make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Don't you just love that? And God created man in his own image, hallelujah. In the image of God, he created him. So critical you know this. We have been made in the image and likeness of God. Whew. The Father. Ah, yes, the Father. He created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. Hallelujah. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That was the original blessing. You see that that's not a curse. The original blessing, think Father's blessing. Because he's good, he is blessing his children with kingdom dominion. With his likeness, his justice, his righteousness, his authority, his power. And he gave them a free will. <sighs> yes but this is the empowerment for good and you'll never leave this all through the school we bring this up in every class because you must know that Jesus Christ has brought us back around out of the curse into the Father's blessing and empowered us with his spirit to actually pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on the earth so we know the story. So let's go over to Genesis chapter 2. Don't worry, I'm not going to read it all. You can read all of Genesis 1, 2, and 3 at home. Really get the full understanding. But in Genesis 2, 
Um, we're going to start on verse 7. Y'all good? Genesis 2, verse 7. <clears throat> he says, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Everybody say, dirt. <laughs> and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the zoe of God. Right? And the man became a living being, a soul. Now only a creator God could go to dirt, form and fashion, and he become a living being. How about that? Isn't that amazing? And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. <laughs> and out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life was also in the midst of this garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, two trees. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, two trees. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 10, it says, Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four riverheads. He'll explain those rivers there to you. Skip down to verse 15. He says, So then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Thus, here's your Genesis 1 mandate. Yes? He puts him here, which is really heaven on earth, and it says, The Lord God commanded the man, and he said, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. Woohoo! Because I'm going to make him a helper, <laughs> a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air. He brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and the beasts of the field. And for Adam, there was not one found a helper comparable to him. How good is God? Verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on the man. And as he slept, he took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh in its place. And then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. You understand the setting. And so we have to remember the setting that in the beginning, yes, God created the heavens and the earth. Read all of Genesis. In the beginning, he put a family on the earth, and you see his heart being revealed here. 
and you see the heart of the Father and how he's bringing everything so perfectly together. And they were perfect. And they lived in the glory of God. They were clothed in the glory of God. They weren't naked as we know it. They were clothed in the glory of God. You understand? They walked in the glory of God. They walked in his power and his dominion and his goodness. They were clothed in this glory, heaven on earth. And so when you hear the original gospel and we teach our children and we teach others the original man of the garden, and I said, tell me, what happened in the garden of Eden? And people said, well, Adam and Eve sinned and they got kicked out. We teach this every year in M4. What happened? They sinned and they got kicked out. God kicked them out. Justice 101. God kicked them out. Because that's the first thing they've read or they've heard. Instead, we're reversing it to no, 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 no. Let me tell you about God. And this is what's his original intent. They walked with God. They had fellowship with God. They communed with God. They knew God. They were perfect, right? But God gave them this will. Why did he tell them? Here's your boundary. Two trees. Eternal life is in the tree of life. But this other tree, don't eat of it. The knowledge of good and evil. First time evil's brought up, right? There you go. Dad gum it. Right? It's like the whole thing was ruined. But God is working to bring everything all back around. Yes? The day you eat of it, you will surely die. What happened there? Let's go to Romans chapter 3. You can finish the rest of that on your own. What actually happened? Romans chapter 3. Whew. Help me, Jesus. Romans 3. We're going to look at verse 10. He says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's none who understand. There's none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have all together become unprofitable. There's none who does good, no, not one. You're like, what happened? <laughs> what happened? Where are we here? Skip down to verse 23. Romans 3, 23, he says, because all have sinned and fall short of the what? Of the glory. All have sinned and fall short of the glory. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. How did we get from that garden to this passage? <laughs> you see it. Now, humanity, this is where we're at. So, most people know this. Now, go to... Romans 5, verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. So the commandment, the day you eat of that, you shall surely die. Uh-oh, the rest of Genesis there is that a serpent, the devil, 
lying to see that it came in, and he said this and proposed it to the woman of God. Did God really say? Read it on your own. Did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really say? And immediately the deception entered her. Well, and we all seen the apples in the tree cartoons, you know, the little snake comes up and gives her an apple. Right? And she took of it and then she gave it to Adam. Right? And they both ate of it. But the number one lie of deception of the devil that came through the knowledge of good and evil was did God really say? Is God a liar or is he truth? And that's what entered the humanity of heaven on earth is did God really say? And to this day, it is the number one lie of the devil to tell you, did God really say? His number one scheme to deceive the body of Christ. Did God really say you could lay hands on the sick and they would cover? Did God really say that nothing new under the sun and that is the sin and death that entered all mankind until we are born again? That's the death that entered. Read it all in context. And it's like all of a sudden, oh my goodness, go to Romans 6.23. He says, for the wages of sin is death, but praise God, the gift of God is eternal life. There's that tree of life again, yes? <laughs> the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So they say, say good news. Good news is coming, right? Good news is coming. Somehow God's going to turn this around, and he had a plan from the beginning of time when his family believed a lie. And they were robbed of the glory of God. And as soon as we're born again, we interstep right back into that same glory. And the veils are removed. So look at, uh, it's on your paper, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to step through these things. And step by step, as you read these, you're empowered to know how to give the gospel, how to help other people see what has happened and have the understanding. Because we're blinded and we're, we're deafened and we're, Dumb to the truth until the veil is removed, the scripture says. Second Corinthians chapter 5. We start on verse 17. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, so therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Say new creation. New creation. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. New creation. Somehow, God's going to do something that's going to take us back to where we were once a new creation in God, and we fell, death entered, but somehow we're going to get to be a new creation again. How is this going to work? How are we going to get back to the glory of God? How are we going to get back in fellowship with God? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, here's your word, all things have become new. All things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling what? The world to himself, 
not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. You know what ambassadors do? They represent the nation. They're sent wherever they go. They've got the authority of the nation representing them. They are in that same authority. The ambassadors represent the nation they came from. And he's making us an ambassador of heaven. And wherever we go, heaven comes and heaven backs his children. And he gave us authority to reconcile the world to God through Christ, the firstborn. Yes? This is powerful. And he pleads through us. We implore you on Christ's sake, be reconciled to God. That's the believer's witness. You must be born again. We plead with you. Believe this truth. That's why we intercede for the lost to be saved. That's why you weep and you cry over the, the lost. Lord. We weep and cry over them. We travail over them. We decree, we declare, we bind, we loose. We pray for the lost to be reconciled to God. And you could hear the heart of Jesus. In 21, he says, because he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He became sin so we could get right with God. Jesus became a worm so we could live. Jesus took all of our sin, all of the sickness, all of hell, everything, every principality, power, ruler, and force of evil of darkness and Satan himself, disarmed him on that cross and brought us back to God and then gave us his robe of righteousness and then made us right with God through his blood and made us children of God, co-heirs, sons and daughters of God, kings and priests. Who does that? Where we were literally being restored to the original glory of God? That whatever you bless is blessed, and whatever you curse is cursed. Whatever you bind is bound, and what you loose is loosed. I'm all of a sudden a government now. I'm a government on the earth, and I'm ruling from heaven. And what I say goes, but it is God who works through me. That's the voice of the bride. That's the oneness of the bride, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Jesus gave himself for this church. And what Adam and Eve messed up, he has redeemed it. Yes? Go to John 3. John 3. What a great salvation. You can read John 3. And if you watch The Chosen, I did this so wonderful. I just love Jesus and Nicodemus talking. I just love it. That's for free. John 3, <laughs> verse 3. He's talking to a Pharisee, a leader of the Jews, right? Who's supposed to know it all. Rabbi, rabbi is right. He's going to get spiritual with him. John 3, verse 3. Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And remember what God told the first family. The day you eat of this, you will surely die. What died? What died? What died? What died? They didn't drop down dead. Their bodies aren't. So what died there? Right? We were separated from God there. How does this look? So we continue. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, Well, how can a man be born again when he's old? And I had the same thought when I read this passage. When I was probably about 16 years old. Can I get back in my mother's womb? 
Because carnal reproduces carnal. Natural things natural. Yes? Can I enter a second time into my mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter what? The kingdom of God. <laughs> he didn't say he couldn't go to church. <laughs> he says, you cannot enter my father's kingdom unless you've been born again. Because you were born in sin, you were dead in sin, separated from your father. So you're going to have to be born again now. By the Spirit. And Jesus is the one that's going to do it. Verse 6, he says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. You can't even tell where it comes from and where it's going. So that everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus says to him, So how can these things be? I don't understand. Verse 10, Jesus answers and says, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? That's a rebuke. And he says, most assuredly I say to you, we speak, here he's speaking of the Godhead, we speak what we know and we testify what we have seen and you are not receiving our witness. Wow, all of a sudden the Godhead shows up right here. <laughs> we are bringing you the spirit and the kingdom. We are in one. We are in agreement. We are in unity. You must be born again. Ah, that's what's happening. And that's what it looks like every time one sinner repents. Heaven is right there pleading. Yes? Verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So it's everyone who is born of the Spirit. Yeah, that is amazing. Verse 12. If I've told you earthly things and you don't believe, how are you going to believe these heavenly things, dude? <laughs> right? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Now, that'll trip you out. Because the Son of Man, the Son of God, Jesus, came, yes, to the earth from heaven. And he's telling already he's going to go back to heaven. And then he says, I'm in heaven. Where are you? You know, <laughs> you are seated with God in Christ in heavenly places. Are you on the earth or are you in heaven? Yeah, that. <laughs> oh, wow. So now we finally get to this one verse because we all know it. Yes? Verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent into the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That the world through him might be saved, because he who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe, you're condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ. Verse 19, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. That means how long did it take for you to get saved? <laughs> that. Because you love darkness and your sin and your lust and your flesh more. That's where we all came from. Yes? 
He'll never stop till your dying day if you're not born again, pleading with you to be born again. Yes? Verse 20, she said, because everyone practicing evil hates the light. There's your facts and evidence. <laughs> everyone who practices evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds be exposed. Because that's what light does. It exposes the sin. But he who does the truth comes to the light and his deeds are clearly seen and that they have been done in God. These passages are so powerful to understand the reality of heaven invading earth, of God coming through Jesus Christ to redeem what was stolen from us, to come back with the good news. And through him and through his sacrifice, we can come back to God. We can be born again of God. Now go to Isaiah 53. Movie 101 again. If you've ever seen The Passion of the Christ that Mel Gibson produced years ago, you can watch it once and it's pretty much all you want to see. And we know that that didn't do it justice, but they did a pretty good job. Because there wasn't a soul that watched that in the Lord's time of distress, persecution, and the beatings and the stripping of his flesh on the cross that you weren't saying enough already. Like, your soul was like, don't hit him again. Do not stop. Just quit. You know what I'm talking about. It brings that reality of to just a cross on the wall that has become a piece of art to us, to what my Savior really did, and the cruelness of that stake, and what he did on that stake as a worm. Yes, this, and Isaiah 53 prophesied it perfectly, is betrayed and was later presented in the gospel itself. Isaiah 53. I won't read all of it, but we're going to hit the first few verses. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 53, he says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised, he's rejected by men. He's a man of sorrows, he's equated with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we didn't esteem him. Verse four, surely he has borne our griefs, he's carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Good news. This is the reality of what Jesus Christ really did on this cross. And so in this place, we break this down. And if you'll make a note on your paper... Uh, at least for K1, just write down page 259. On page 259 in your manual, there is an uh, image that looks like this. Okay, I used to just draw circles. One circle, two circles, three circles. Either way works. But what this is showing us is that we are a spirit being. 
We are born in the image and likeness of God, right? We are spirit beings. We are spirit. So when this flesh dies, the spirit man is still standing here, yes? That's why you go to funerals. The body is dead, but the spirit's gone somewhere with the soul, yes? So the spirits of the dead are in heaven. The spirit who don't know, who don't know the Lord and made him Lord and Jesus have already gone to hell. Reality, Jesus teaches it all through the gospels. So all of a sudden, we are flashing back to Genesis. The day you eat of it, you will surely die. They were walking with God. They were holy. They were pure. They were walking, but they were given a will, a mind, will, and emotion, and they lived in a body. Yes? That center circle, that center being represent your entire spirit man, which looks just like your body. And then in that, God gave us a will, a choice, right? He gave us a will. That's why Jesus says, repent. You have a choice here. And you have those emotions, we all love them, and a mind, our thoughts, yes? What a powerful creation God made us. And we live in this flesh, we live in a body, the temple, Jesus said, of the Holy Ghost. So now you're saying, I'm a three-part being. And so go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, you're doing good. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And this is laid out throughout your scripture, but this is the one I like to use. He says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Spirit, soul, and body. The day you eat of it, you will surely die. <laughs> Separated from God. Sin entered. The veil came. Darkness came in. The dark sin came in. The wages of sin is death. Bloodline, bloodline, bloodline. Until Christ, the magnificent one, went to that cross and paid the full price of that spin, that sin, spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. Covered it all. The word we teach you here with the word salvation, the bottom of page nine, is a word called sozo or soteria in Greek. And it means eternal life, which I knew that one. Because they told me, if I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, I wouldn't perish but have eternal life. Okay, I get to live forever with God in heaven. But I didn't know the rest. <laughs> and you probably didn't either. But this word means healing. This salvation word means deliverance. Deliverance means that you're delivered from evil, delivered from harm, delivered from sin, delivered from demons. Delivered from torment, you understand. Protection. Wholeness, shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. Prosperity. Wow. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, who if you believe, you are saved, sozo, given eternal life, healing, protection, covenant, prosperity, blessing, protection, restored to the Father, and then given authority. All of a sudden, it just got really real. This whole born again thing. 
And Jesus is really taking me back to the beginning. But the end result in this flesh is that this flesh has got to die because of the curse of sin. Unless we're alive when the Lord returns, we're caught up to meet him in the air. You understand? But right now we know our loved ones, they die and they're buried in the dirt, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, so we return. But the spirit is immediately with God. Whew. Right? And you're eternally sealed and secure. Hallelujah. If you believed on the Lord Jesus. But what we missed is this great gift of salvation while you're still here on the earth. It's like, good luck. You got saved. Hope the devil doesn't kill you. You probably got 60 more years of hell. But I hope you make it. Stand firm. Right? You know, give me that old-time religion. You've heard it. Until all of a sudden, Isaiah 53 came alive in me. Oh, my God. He bore all of it. He paid for spirit, soul, and body. He paid for all of it. And then he goes around with the audacity to heal every sick person who came in his ministry. Raise the dead, cast out demons. He demonstrated the kingdom. And then he gave us the authority to go do the same in his name. Are you serious? That, that eternal life, this salvation is so great. And so I have all these scriptures listed here for you. We're going to fly through them very quickly. But now when you see saved, you're not just thinking eternal life. You're thinking now and eternally. Momentary light afflictions, beloved, because we will be with him forever and ever and ever and ever. It shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion in Jerusalem, there shall be deliverance. That's Joel 2.32. See this, put it in, put this in here now. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Sozo, that's for Acts 2.21. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, this tells us how you get her done. What does it say? Is the word near you? Is it not in your mouth and in your heart? That, that is the word of faith that we preach, that if you confess with your mouth, the, I don't know what the mouth and mouth thing is tonight, sorry. If you confess with your mouth, right, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, sozo given eternal life, healed, saved, protected, delivered, prospered, covenant protection in God. God has raised him from the dead and you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes to righteousness and with your mouth, you confess unto salvation. That is how we get saved. You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Yes? Why? Because that's what God said to do. Because whatever comes out of the heart is going to come out of the mouth. And when you weren't born again, you couldn't say Jesus is Lord until you believed in your heart and received this grace salvation. And then you confess him and then you can say, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> right? Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. This is that salvation. So thus, what we say in our mouth, praying the word of God and proclaiming these things and blessing ourselves and others is very vital in our salvation walk. Yes? It's that working out of your salvation. So on your paper, I'm not going to read all this, don't worry, but I just took from all the Strong's Concordance references to sozo, soteria, peace, shalom, save, healing, so you can look it up and settle it once and for all, biblically, 
what God has really done for you. Yes? On the next page, it says, Sozo, salvation for the spirit. Matthew chapter 121 on your paper, it says, and she will bring forth the son and you shall call his name Jesus because he will save Sozo, his people from their sins. That's the salvation of the spirit, right? You must be born again. You must be forgiven because it's the first thing we do. We repent of our sins, don't we? Oh God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I've done all these evils. You confess it to him. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and King, the Son of the living God. He was crucified, dead, and buried, raised on the third day, ascended to heaven. He's coming again. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Boom, salvation. Your spirit man immediately made one with God. The garden comes back inside of you. The glory comes back inside of you. You have the authority now to walk with God, talk with God, know God, hear God, feel God, and move with God for all eternity. <laughs> Wow. Salvation for the spirit. Sozo, healing for the body. We have James 5.15. Remember, there's tons of scriptures on here for you to read. James 5.15, he says, Now the prayer of faith will save, or sozo the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. So here he gives the church authority. If anyone's sick amongst you, then go to the elders of the church, go to your leaders and have them lay hands on you, anoint them with oil, and pray the prayer of faith, and they will be healed in their bodies. This is doctrine. Are you serious? Yes. By his stripes I am healed. Isaiah 53. And so you pull from what he did for us. You hear it? Daughter, your faith has made you well. Oh, shalom. Go in peace. Be healed of your affliction. Right? And they begged him that they might just touch even the hem of his garment, because as many as touched him were made well. Oh, shalom. Sozo deliverance. Deliverance is deliverance from anything that has you bound, right? And in the scriptures, we have numerous accounts. I lifted, listed one here for you. Numerous accounts of demonized people. They had demons, and the Lord came and he cast them out. And wherever Jesus went, I mean, in church, you know, they're in the synagogue, and he walks in the synagogue, and they're like, what have you, what are you here for? Have you come to torment us before our time? Ah! That's a summary of <laughs> what happened in your Bible. <laughs> That's what happens, and so he says, be quiet, come out of him. And then, then they leave, and they, you know, they do that, and and he raises them up. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> but everywhere Jesus went, those dumb demons are terrified. <laughs> and now when you walk in the room, and the light of the world walks in with you, and there's someone that's demonized and has a spirit of fear, a spirit of lies, a spirit of infirmity, a spirit of sickness, deaf and dumb, mute, blind, deaf, lame, tormented, wounded, depressed, heavy, sorrowful, an error, antichrist, wounded. And on and on and on, you come. And those spirits recognize Christ in you. <laughs> and they scream, why are you here? We're not here. We already left. They've told me that before. I was like, well, you're dumb. <laughs> We're not here. I said, I know. Okay, and it's that reality. You laugh. <laughs> but all of a sudden, this gospel gets real, 
And as that unfolds, when he says, I've given you authority to go into all the world and preach this gospel to all creation, and you will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover, and you will cast out demons with a word. All of a sudden, it gets real. And this shows of salvation empowers you. <laughs> Christ in you doing that work. Holy Ghost in you doing that work, working with you. Yes, born again, one from above. He brings deliverance. Yes, we've all been delivered, and we're all being delivered of stuff. And the number one battleground is that mind. Learning how to take thoughts captive every day to renew the spirit of our mind to that of the Word of God. That's why we meditate on the Word. Abide in me, and I in you. Remain in me, and you will bear much fruit, so the Father can be glorified. You hear it? So go to Matthew 3. And you're going to end up reading all the Gospels by the time you're through with us. But just read the Gospels now with this perspective. And it's like your eyes are just opened now. It's so amazing. I glorify God so much. He's so good. Matthew 3. This was John the Baptist. Matthew 3, verse 2. He's crying out in the wilderness. And he says, Matthew 3, verse 2. Repent for the kingdom of what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of is at hand. All right, and he goes on to prophesy in the spirit of Elijah to say, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Go to Matthew 4. He's baptizing people. Jesus himself is baptized by John the Baptist. We know that as he's baptized in the waters in the Jordan, he comes up out of those waters. Heaven is open. The spirit of God fell on him, filled him. He baptized full in the Holy Ghost and fire to do his mission. And Father spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Matthew 4, verse 17. It says, From this time forth, he began, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Sound familiar? (laughs) God's trying to get through to us that he wants the kingdom of God to manifest. To bring the family of God on the earth back to him. Yes. To see us born again from above. For the spirit of God to live inside of us. And make us one with him again. And that's amazing, isn't it? And go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We love this. As the Holy Ghost is poured out upon the church after his crucifixion and his ascension. The Holy Ghost comes and they're all baptized the Holy Ghost in fire to do the works of Jesus. Because I can, let's read Acts 1.8. This is before, before he went back up. Acts 1.8. Jesus, these are words in red. He says, but you... You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me, starting in Jerusalem, and then all of Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth, right? This is where he started. You're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you. So fast forward, fulfilled, Holy Ghost comes. They are filled, baptized in the Holy Ghost in fire, manifesting heaven. (laughs) And Acts 2, verse 36 These same disciples who watched the slaughtering of their Lord, who were fearful, tormented, and afraid, hiding in the upper room, yes, until he revealed himself to them. And then 
They go because he commanded them to tarry ye in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes, so you'll be endued with power. They've learned to be obedient now. Yes, and here we are. They've been filled, and now they are like new creations, right? They are preaching, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Acts 2, look at verse 36. Peter's given them what for? He said, let all of the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, Lord and Christ, the Messiah. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter, and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them and said, be saved, sozo from this perverse generation, then those who gladly received his word were water baptized. Okay, they were baptized. That day, about 3,000 souls were added to them, which probably didn't include the women and children. What a revival. Yes? And then it just kept happening and happening and happening. Acts 2.38, repent and believe and be baptized. So that goes into your water baptism. Like, what's up with water baptism? I don't know. But that's what God said to do. Go to Romans 6. <laughs> oh, the ways of the Lord. Romans 6. Oh my gosh, the whole thing is so wonderful. But I'm going to start on verse 3. Romans 6, 3. Y'all doing good? Okay. Romans 6, verse 3. Oh. Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, we were actually baptized into his death? So therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead... By the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin, the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Lordship changed. <laughs> sin used to have the lordship, the dominion over us because we gave, thank you, Jesus, I mean, through our bloodline, Adam and Eve, gave the lordship over to Satan, to the kingdom of darkness, yes? And we must be born again to come into the lordship of Jesus Christ. So to do this, something's going to have to happen. Where was I? Thank you. Seven, for he who has died has been freed from sin. And if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Hallelujah. 
For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and as your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall no longer have dominion over you because you are no no longer under the law, but under grace. This is this amazing, supernatural, miraculous work that happened. We don't have to go to a cross to pay for our own sin. Jesus did it for us. And all he asks is that we believe on him and believe why he did it. And that's where you feel the conviction. And it says they were cut through to the heart because it says you crucified him and we in our sin crucified Jesus. We crucified Jesus. Our sin nailed him to the cross. Our sin sent him there. But for love's sake, he died for us willingly that we might be born again from above. Yes? And you identify with this, and that's why you feel the conviction. We all know what you feel when you feel convicted. <laughs> Conscience, smonchance, whatever, right? It's like, I don't feel any guilt here. But when conviction comes, you hear the prophets say, woe is me. I am undone. I am unclean. Depart from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. That's what the flesh does. Yes? So when you believe this, all of a sudden you're identifying with Christ and you know that he did this for us and that the gospel of the kingdom is to bring us back to God. You believe in what Jesus Christ has done and then when we repent, we acknowledge we are guilty as charged. No excuses. Guilty as charged. And we plead and we say, oh God, forgive us, have mercy. Forgive us. We're pleading the the blood of Christ because of what he has done. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the son of God, God in the flesh, crucified. He was dead and buried three days and he was risen again. And he ascended back to heaven and he's coming again. And he shall reign forever and ever. You believe the whole gospel, right? And you're receiving the salvation. He says, okay, now repent and be baptized. So this is that public announcement, right? Between you and heaven, everybody around you, when you say there's that watery grave, that swimming pool, that tank, that baptismal place of water, that lake, that river. Oh, there's a pool of water. What keepeth me from being baptized? King James, right? It's like there's some water, right? Because they preach this. And so it is an identity. It is a realization and revelation that you were crucified with him. And as he was buried in that grave, you went in that grave with him. You died with him. Your sin died with him. He took your sin. Spirit, soul, and body, every curse of sin and effect of it in the grave with him. You died with him. The lordship of Satan died there. And when you came up out of the water, you were raised with him in newness of life. The old is gone, new things have come. Old creation died, new one is alive and well. (laughs) And now you live forever with him. And he is sanctifying you from that day forward, spirit, soul, and body. 
perfecting what concerns us so that we can be presented blameless. That's our mind, our deliverance, our getting healed from depression, getting healed from our tormentors, getting demons cast out of us, changing the way we think, helping us walk righteously and obeying the word of God, forsaking sin and old habits, knowing how to get along, right? All of a sudden, it is a public confession to be water baptized and say, I died with him and identified with him and I am a brand new creature in him. New life, right? Say new life. New life. And religion has turned it into so many dumb things. No, we just sprinkle. No, we don't. Whatever. You missed the whole dadgum point. Right? The word itself, and you look it all up, actually means immersion. That you're dipped repeatedly to immerse, to submerge, to be baptismoed, pickled. <laughs> right? Like a cucumber and vinegar. Completely submerged into God in Christ. You laugh. To get me to join the Presbyterian church years ago, because, hey, I was just looking for lordship. But they didn't give me the gospel. They didn't even tell me how to be a born again. They didn't even tell me that I was a sinner. I need to repent. They told me how to join the church. 18 years old, looking for life, being drawn by the Spirit. I said before the elders, all awesome people, they did not give me the gospel. They did not tell me these things I'm giving you. But I, they, I, they reported. They said, you just show up next Sunday. We're going to give you a confession paper. And you're going to read it out loud in front of the congregation. And then we're going to baptize you. And we sprinkle. I said, well, i got to sing a song that day. My hair is, you know, 1982. I said, so make sure you get back here in the back. Because I have to sing in a minute. And I don't want my bangs in my face. I said that to him. <laughs> Well, I was really born again. I was not saved yet, but I'm being drawn. <laughs> right? So my mommy came. She's boohooing out there. And uh, I read the paper. I made the confession. And if I had died, the next few days, except for the grace of God, I'd gone straight to hell. Because I had not been born again. I just read a statement. And nothing happened in my heart. And so for this day and all that I teach and all who I equip, I said, don't you dare give them a cheap version of this gospel. And no one's going to come and join this garden until they sit in my office and they hear this gospel. And I tell me, who's Jesus Christ to you? And if they're not born again, they're going to get born again because no one's going to die on my watch. If they say, no, I do not want them, that's their problem. But I'm going to tell you this gospel. I'm going to tell you how to get born again. I'm going to tell you, repent and be baptized. I'm going to tell you the way, the truth, and the life. And we can't, we can't be presumptuous and think that they'll figure it out. That was when I was 18. I got saved when I was 22 with this passage, and we'll close here. Matthew 7. He's always working to get us. I was having all kinds of dreams. I was having angelic dreams. I had dreams of the rapture. They didn't even know what a rapture was. I saw Jesus coming from the heavens. I was caught up in the air with him. I seen demons coming against me. So angels, how can that happen? Because there's a battle for my soul. <laughs> Dark and light. 
until the Lord landed the plane. It's Matthew 7. It all came together. Verse 13, Matthew 7, verse 13. Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there's many who are going to go in by it. But narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. He started there, and all of a sudden, I started feeling the conviction. I am not saved. I'm still on the broad path that leads to destruction. I did believe in God and Jesus and the Holy Ghost. My, my family were Christians and went to church, but he was not my Lord and Savior yet. I had not been born again yet. You understand? So you go on, he talks more about false prophets. In verse 21, he says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And the hammer fell. And I'm on my face, crying out to God, a sinner coming to repent of all my sins. Seeing the gospel, knowing this is it. It's lordship. It's lordship. It's lordship. I still was under the lordship of the devil, even in good works. Self-righteousness is filthy rags. For there's none that doeth good. No, not one. I must be born again. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And I made him Lord and Savior of my life. And the fire of God came in me, hunger for his word. And I've been born again to the bone ever since. I have led more Christians to Jesus Christ than lost. That is the truth. Don't think that just because they go to church, they know this. And don't deceive yourself thinking that you're saved if you have not repented and received the full gift of the salvation. If you feel the conviction, go to the altar. Let's get saved. Let's repent. Go there with God. If you've never been water baptized, this kid are done. Been too ashamed to do it, then you're ashamed of Christ. You got to face off with it, man. Because this is our eternity. This is the gospel of the kingdom. Once there was a gentleman in our midst and we loved him. He's with Jesus now, whole and healed. But due to physical maladies that he had, he could not be immersed in water. And he wanted to be water baptized so much. And so he came in his wheelchair. We were in another facility at the time. And so we got tarps and laid it out all over the floor. Raise your hand if you were with me when we did this. And uh, we got big old pitchers and we got the water. This man was overflowing with joy. We had also, also put a, like a, what do you call those hair tarp thing, cape things over him so that water didn't get in his ports and such. And so we got the water. He boldly professed Christ and who he is with joy, so glorious, and we just poured that water all over him. Baptismo, right? Immerse. So don't get legalistic. But no, this is the work of the baptism 
of identifying and knowing what Christ did for you. And the dead man's dead, and now you're a new creation. And from that point forward, he'll continue to renew our mind and help us, beloved. This is the gospel of the kingdom. So let's stand and let's give him glory for this launch tonight. Father, teach us your ways. Empower us to know you. Empower us not to be ashamed of the gospel and the commission that you've given us to go into all the world and to preach this gospel, <laughs> making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May we not be ashamed. And may you light us with a fresh new fire. Baptize us in your Holy Ghost and fire. Set us ablaze, Lord. And for those who are listening here online or abroad, if you've not been born again, repent <laughs> and believe. I've given you the way. Go there with God. He'll meet you in it. And it may be, see there, here's a bathtub. I'm going to go get in it and go baptize myself. Mama, come in here and observe this. But whatever it takes, you're going to give your life to Christ and you'll never be the same again. Seal these words in our heart, Lord, and teach us. And would you anoint us and multiply this word. God, multiply it. Multiply it so much. That so many masses of soul will be saved, but mostly for that one that needs them tomorrow. We love you, Lord, and we thank you, and we bless your name for this year. In Jesus' name, amen. This message was brought to you by the Garden Gathering Church, a family of spirit-filled believers in San Angelo, Texas. We long to encounter God's presence and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.thegardenstc.org to realize how the revelation of Jesus Christ can fulfill your mandate in the kingdom of heaven.